Gears and Nachos. Okay, part two. I didn't scare you away. That's good. Um, I really expect for the views on part two and even part three to drop, not because the information's not good. Quite honestly, I think this stuff's gold. And I'm going into this just approaching it as if you and I are sitting across each other from the coffee table, right? Or the breakfast table. And I, because I know how lonely it can be chasing your dreams and pursuing that stuff. And so I do want to give some really good applicable steps. And like I called them in part one, some breadcrumbs to what I see a good driver in Monster Jam possessing. Because everyone's got a different uh, opinion on what makes a good driver. To me, I, if I look at NASCAR, this applies. If I look at NHRA, this applies. If I look at Monster Jam, these, uh, these breadcrumbs apply. So I'll give you the disclaimer once again. I'm not speaking on behalf of Monster Jam. Um, I am not a, uh, even though I work for Monster Jam and Feld Entertainment, um, they, are, they have a big business and a big company that they're trying to run. And there's a lot of smart people running strategies and you know, they're, they're, they've got 25 year plans. Right. Um, and so I applaud them and I'm very proud. I am proud to work for Feld Entertainment. So, um, however, none of this has come from them. So, um, if I say something that goes against what they're trying to do, like they may disagree with what I believe makes up a good driver. They're probably going to have their own opinions on that. So just know that these, these are Bryce Kenny's opinions, right? Uh, coming from my perspective as a driver in the sport, what I see, but I also think that this is going to help a lot of you. So I think there's two types of drivers in the sport. The, the first one I'm going to call the limited liability driver. Okay. And the second type of driver is an asset. Now, if you think about, um, if you think about, you know, just basic finances and finances are not taught in American schools and it's a travesty, but a liability is anything that, that, uh, takes, think about it this way, that takes money out of your pocket. All right. Kind of like an expense, but there's assets and there's liabilities. Assets are ways that money comes into your pocket, right? So if you have a rental property, you know, you could consider that an asset because you, are having money where there's some sort of, you know, maybe you're only making a 250 bucks a month profit, but that's an asset, right? That's $250 into your pocket. Uh, it's not costing you money. You know, when you go and buy a, a brand new GMC truck and make a payment for a $650 a month on that thing, or maybe who knows now, maybe it's $1,100 a month, um, but whatever that might be, uh, it's a liability, right? Money's coming out of your pocket. And so I look at across all 55, and none of this is against any driver, by the way, but I look across all 55, and there's, there's almost like that, that upper echelon of drivers, and the only difference is, is that individual is an asset. Meaning, think about Ryan Anderson, okay? Asset or liability, okay? You might say, oh, he, he costs money because he crashes the truck and stuff like that. No, no, no. That guy probably sells more Monster Jam tickets than any other driver in the sport because he's gone more viral than any other driver in the sport. And the stuff he does is insane, right? I would buy a ticket. Personally, I would buy a ticket to go watch Ryan Anderson do something crazy. That stuff that he's been doing with Hoonigan is so awesome. That's a game changer, right? The stuff that Ryan Anderson is doing, this isn't the Ryan Anderson love, love hour, but uh, <laughs> the stuff that he is doing is going to evolve and innovate the sport in a way that no other driver in the history of the industry has done. Not even Dennis, not even Tom. And I'm not saying he's more innovative than Dennis. I feel like Dennis obviously built the sport of Monster Jam and created freestyle. 
But what Ryan is doing, no driver has had the opportunity to uh, do something and create a dynamic that reaches more people thanks to the internet now. If, if Dennis Anderson would have had the internet back then, I, I, he would have broke it, right? But he didn't. Ryan has the opportunity to do more for the sport, the monster truck industry, than I believe than any other uh, driver in the history of the sport. And so he's an asset, right? That's what an asset looks like. A liability is, you know, there, there's a lot of times, especially at the beginning, and, and a lot of times this is just kind of what stage a driver is in their career, but at the beginning it's kind of about limiting liability, meaning, hey, listen, we just need to, to, to see that you can control the truck in a closed environment, right? And also that you're, you're not going to cause too much damage on the truck, right? I remember that first phone call I got when I kept rolling over in the wheelie competition that's now the skills competition. Uh, but my first year in Mohawk, you know, I was rolling over so much in the skills competition. I finally got a phone call like, Bryce, can you please just keep it on four wheels this next event? Um, and that was a very humiliating phone call to get. Uh, but th- those phone calls happened. I was still in that liability stage. Like how much of a liability can he be and can we limit that? Some drivers never get out of that. And, and quite honestly, if someone is, is, has been around and they, they, they never transition from being a liability to an asset, uh, they don't really have as long of a career. So the question is, how do you be, go from being a liability to an asset, to a brand the size of Monster Jam? And I got a couple ideas. So these are kind of my five tool players. If you think about baseball when they're like, you know, they can hit, they can run, they can hit with speed or hit with power and all that stuff. I don't know. Go watch Moneyball with Brad Pitt. But uh, the first one is passion. Now, don't 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 tune me out for just a second because, um, you know, you might hear that and be like, oh, all these five are going to be just like, you know, fluffy little things. No, no, no. I, I, I talked about Elvis Linez in the first uh, in the first part of this whole thing. Elvis is one of the most passionate drivers. Year number one, he was not because he was like, oh, man, you know, he was kind of intimidated by everything. Right now, that guy's got to be one of the most passionate guys on the microphone, and he's also one of the most passionate guys in the truck. Now, does he, you know, break the truck quite a bit? Yeah, he, you know, even when I watch him drive, I'm always like, oh, oh. But can I tell you something? His passion is so clear, it makes me say, man, I got to push this truck a lot more than I do. Um, And so passion is such an asset when it can be redirected and directed in the right way. So my first year in Mohawk, I freaked all the office people out because I think it was that the very first event. Now I've always been competitive. Nobody knew me from monster mud, right? Nobody hardly in the office. Like I said earlier, I think in, in the other part, I wasn't even invited to world finals my first year, right? I was not on the list. They didn't have anything for me to do. You know, it's not that I wasn't welcome there in Vegas, but they, they were like, well, you know, Charlie Pawkins going to drive your truck and no one knows you enough to just bring you out to sign autographs. So, you know, it would have been a waste of my time and theirs and money. Uh, to go out there and do that. And so, uh, so no one knew me. And so I go out there and uh, we had all these problems with the uh, speedsters, right? The side-by-sides, the players razors and uh, mine broke going around the final turn. And I remember Miranda Kozad, you know, uh, uh, back then she was very timid as a driver and she just kind of, you know, dopey do kind of got around me and went and she beat me. And I was so furious Right. I was mad, not at her. I was mad at the speedster, uh, but I'm competitive. And so I drove it off the track and, and parked it. And I got out and as I was climbing out, I slapped the top of the speedster. Right. And it made this, you know, bang noise, but that's what I needed. And I climbed out and I went and, and, uh, uh walked across the, the stadium and got up in the truck. Cause we had the freestyle competition. Now I will say that had to be probably one of my best freestyle competitions of the whole year, because I do way better when I drive pissed off. All right. 
Um, uh, but I slapped the top of the speedster, and uh, all of a sudden, not long after that, everyone was saying, oh, man, someone needs to calm Bryce down. Someone needs to calm Bryce down. It's not that they wanted me to be calm. It's that they needed to see if they could redirect my passion in the appropriate ways. Could I control it? Or was I just going to be a hothead? Okay. Um, and so it was an opportunity to kind of adjust. Um, and it did take me a couple weekends. I'll be honest. I'm not going to make it sound like, oh, yeah, they came and talked to me and then I was fine. No, no, no. Um, it was a process that first season uh, to, to be able to redirect my passion in a way that was positive. Right. Um, and so passion is a really big one. The second one, and these to me are in order. Okay. These are the most important pieces and elements to a driver and breadcrumbs, and they are in order. Number two is communication skills. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, yeah, they're just hiring people that are good on the microphone and stuff. That's not true. However, do you, if you want to separate yourself and go from being a liability to an asset, and by the way, this isn't just with Monster Jam. Do this at your job. You can be a cashier at the car wash like I was when I was chasing my top fuel dreams, and communication was huge because I sold more and I made more money, right? To not think about being a better communicator is, again, lazy. We Everything we do in life, communication matters. It is a, what enables people to interact with us and engage with us. Body language is more important than communication, right? If you ask any psychology or psychologist. But communication skills is, is obviously right up there as important as uh, body language because uh, you're able to communicate effectively a message. That's why I'm big with people getting a sales job, not because sales is a sales sucks. You know, when I was cold calling people and executive recruiting, I hated it, but it, it forced me to become a better communicator. And so we're going to talk about maybe some ways to do that here in just a second. Uh, but I'll tell, I'll say this, Tristan England. All right. Fun little story. And I know, I know he won't mind me sharing this. The very first year. Uh, so it was after Monster Mutt and I was going into Mohawk. Tristan England, it was his first year. Um, and there were five drivers, I think, that came through into that first class. And Tyler Meningo was a backup. All right. That's Tyler. That's how good Tyler was doing at Monster Jam University. And he was a little bit young, I think. He was really young. I want to say he was 18. So Tyler was going to be a backup that year. We were doing mock interviews behind and, and doing training. Uh, Tristan froze up so bad every time someone put a, a, a video camera in his face that the one, the, the lady that was doing the PR training and stuff like that went to the company and said, guys, we, we, we need more work with Tristan before he can go out there and, and get in the truck. Um, and they said, okay. And so they switched him. That's when Tyler actually moved up and went in place of Tristan England because Tyler was okay on the mic and he did a good job. And he was, you know, even though he was young, he still did a great job in the truck as well. And Tristan, they flip-flopped and Tristan became a backup that first year. And I tell you those stories because look at Tristan now. The kid is electric. He's electric when it comes to communicating. He's electric on that. Tyler is electric in front of the camera, right? And those communication skills can be taught and they can be learned. And by the way, don't wait until you get a shot to become a Monster Jam driver. Start working on communication, all right? And I'll give you some tips on that here in just a second. Number three is driving ability. And I do think it's third most important. And the reason is, and a lot of you, when you messaged me back, you admitted this, driving can be taught. And that's one of the things I will say that I've heard uh, Monster Jam say before. They're, look, they're like, basically the only, you know, sometimes there's the drivers that we bring up to Paxton that they're just never going to get it. But most of them, it's just a matter of enough trips and things like that because you got Tom Mintz on the microphone with these students. They're going to be okay. And, and, and the word I've always used ever since high school sports and high school athletics is coachability. 
right? I think that the 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 uh, the way that a driver becomes an asset, going from a liability to an asset, is they understand uh, how to to be coached. They can take the feedback. Hey, Bryce, if you would do it this way, it'll get better. I still try my hardest to get Adam Anderson to critique my runs. He's the hardest one to get to critique him because I, he makes it sound like he wasn't even waiting. He was probably out in the he was probably in the bathroom using the bathroom before he had to climb up to go do his freestyle, right? And it's not that I take advice from everybody. I really don't. There's only about four or five drivers that I say, "Hey, help me on this." Like, what am I doing wrong? And they'll I know that they'll they're they're coming with the right intentions to help me on that. Uh, but driver ability, in my opinion, is number three, and that can be trained along the way. Number four is social media presence. Like I said, I had 273 followers on Instagram when they first talked to me. So that was not why I got hired at Monster Jam. I can tell you that. Uh, But social media presence is big. You guys have uh, the most unbelievable opportunity to grow your pages at a level um, that that, that, that we've not seen before. Some of these guys out there that are putting up Monster Truck highlight videos and Monster Truck, you guys are having hundreds of thousands of followers. There is no excuse. There is no excuse. Unless you're only... You know, if you're if you're if you're putting up pictures of a truck and it's the same type of format, you're still gonna get a good following, right? But the only reason I'm sitting at twenty one thousand followers as a driver, and here most of you fans have more than me, right? And it's because if I went out and posted a bunch of videos and maybe some voiceovers for that stuff, that's why my TikTok is. Well, that's why I've got one hundred and fifteen thousand followers on TikTok though, is because I voice over a lot of these runs and a lot of those things. Well, my voice has always been my best asset since I developed it through executive recruiting, right? And so my communication skill, it's just a little bit of a different element to these videos. And it became a niche, a kind of a niche that I found, if you will, uh, in the monster truck industry and stuff. And so that's why I had some of these videos go viral. But social media presence, I'm gonna give you a, a book that I want you to read too, if you're interested in that. And number five is cultural fit. These, man, I hesitate to just dive right into cultural fit because this is a hard topic to get across. There are drivers that are all about themselves and there are drivers that understand the big team and I'll, and you know exactly which ones are the right cultural fits. Um, There are cultural cancers. Okay. People that come in, if they're a technician, I've watched technicians become cultural cancers, right? That's a liability. Uh, my first year in Mohawk, we had a guy in our trailer that was absolutely a cultural cancer. And uh, he was somebody that, that when he walked in, he was trying to be funny, but he was always negative. And you know what? If you're on the road with somebody for that long and that person's negative and every word out of their mouth is negative, you're going to become negative, right? And so to go from being a, a, a liability for your company that you work for today uh, in your job today or one day with Monster Jam, whether you're a driver, a technician or an AV manager or whatever it might be, my question is, are you a cultural fit? How, 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 does, how do you get along with everybody, right? It doesn't mean that you always have to get along with everybody. Trust me, I've had my moments. Anybody that knows me behind the scenes, anybody that runs these events, they know that I've got a side of me that's very sharp. I try to do it in a, in a way, but I still get really ticked off at times and, and at people's decisions or maybe the way they're communicating to other people. And I'll get ticked off the most on uh, someone else's behalf before I get ticked off on my own behalf. Uh, but it still happens that way. So it's not about, you know, oh, are you somebody that stands around in a circle and sings kumbaya all the time? That's not what being a cultural fit's all about. A cultural fit is understanding that there's an element to this, a bigger team that's bigger than you. And that we've all play a role. 
We all play a role. I learned this back in, in soccer, in high school, playing at a very high level of soccer. If you play the role that you're given really well, you always get another role. At your job now, if you play the role, the job that you've got today, if you play that role and have that job and work at that job as hard as you can, you will get another job and another role and they're probably going to get a promotion. But that's what that's all about. Mo- excuse me, most people are only looking for the best role. And until they get that role, they're not interested in doing anything. It's that same person I talked about from part one that's sitting on their couch and just waiting on their phone to ring instead of getting up and doing something, right? And grinding that out. Well, being a good cultural fit, that's exactly what it takes to do. And so if you can, let me tell you another secret. If you cannot be a good cultural fit at where you work today, you will not all of a sudden become a good cultural fit for the bigger team when you finally get your dream of being in Monster Jam or being in motorsports. It does not work that way because excellence produces excellence, right? And if you can't find a way to be excellent today at what you're doing, even though it's not your dream, then keep it there, okay? Until you learn that, and there's probably a reason why you feel stuck. It's because you're probably not using the opportunities that you have today to be able to grow in that stuff. And so I do want to give you a couple ideas on, on what to do. Um, I've got this book, um, actually, Passion. Okay, let's start off with Passion. You guys are really great with Passion. If you can't figure out how to grow your passion and, and, and uh, into an asset, look at your family. Are you able to, are you just passionate to where you're a detriment to everybody around you and to your friends? Or are you passionate in a way and be able to redirect it in a way that gets other people passionate? My, my biggest breadcrumb for passion is, are, is it infectious? Are you the only one passionate about that thing? Or are people around you, not only do they know that you're passionate, but are, do they ever, every once in a while, are they, hey, man, what are you doing with that? That's cool. Hey, man, I saw that, that post the other day. It doesn't have to happen much, but is it infectious? Is it infectious? If your passion is not infectious, then chances are it needs to be redirected because you're probably ostracizing some people. Communication skills. I love podcasts. If you want to get better at speaking, you need to go and find speakers that you like their style. Right, I love Eric Thomas, E.T., the hip-hop preacher. Okay, I love Eric Thomas. Um, he is awesome. Um, my style is different than E.T., but that guy inspires me. I listen to everything Eric Thomas does, man. That guy's a butt kicker. He used to be homeless, and now the guy's a multi-multi-millionaire because of his communication skills. Um, the technical stuff, you know, driving a, a, a truck. Get, you know, there's Barry started off doing RC trucks. Give me a break, guys. You know, learning control and things like that. Um, uh, go on uh, go on rigs of rods. You know, I was doing that for a while, and I kept rolling over every time I turned the wheel, so I stopped doing it. But Tyler Meninga does a ton of video games, of monster truck stuff. I think it's rigs of rods and stuff like that. Um, uh, Ryan Anderson, Weston Anderson, that's how those guys are coming up with these tricks. Um, you, can, you have the same access to the same technical stuff that they do. Uh, social media, this is a great book. Hang on. It's one of the first books I got on social uh, to talk about social media. Think Like a Rockstar by Matt Collier. Collier. Matt Collier. All right, I churched that up a little bit. Um, But this is awesome. That will teach you how to have fans and think like a rock star. And the examples they use, I still use to this day. I'm running out of time here on my battery, so I'm going to move on. Go get that book, though. If you want to grow your social media channels and create a brand of actually having fans and what to do with those fans, that book is amazing. Um, and then lastly, lastly, to be, to, to become a cultural, uh, fit, how to win friends and influence people. That's a book that it should be 
a textbook across all of America. And if you have not read that book, and if you've read it, if you haven't read it in the last year, go get How to Win Friends and Influence People. And if you can't afford it, go to your library. Okay, get a free library card and get How to Win Friends and Influence People because to be a good cultural fit, you've got to learn how to take your eyes off yourself and put them on other people and consider that there's a bigger team bigger than you that's going after something, and that's where you're going to learn what role that you can play to be able to go and affect that change, okay? For me personally, those are the five tool players, right? Those are the things, the elements of a driver. It doesn't have to be a driver, but if you're in one of those five categories and you're saying, okay, I checked three out of those five boxes, you know, fan the flame on those three that you check, but maybe reset a little bit. And if I can help get creative on how to help you on one of those five, I'll do it. So um, I hope this part two is helpful. Part three, I want to talk about real life opportunities and pathways that I'm seeing right now. I want to talk about UNOH. I want to talk about Winston-Salem State University, the motorsports management program I had, UTI. Let's talk about this stuff and figure out uh, what kind of pathways actually exist, uh, what I'm seeing, um, and uh, let's get you guys, you know, one foot out the door closer to your dream, man. That's what this is all about, okay?